We're in a flourish series. Uh, John chapter 15 is, uh, is where we've been and where we'll, we'll continue to be for the next couple of weeks. 17 verses in John chapter 15. In these 17 verses, Jesus paints a picture. Get it? See how this works together? He paints a picture of a vineyard, of a flowering garden. And each week our garden continues to grow and to flourish, to bear fruit. 17 verses before his death, Jesus gives his disciples a picture of what it's like to follow him, to be connected to the true vine. And we've talked about that connection. Jesus says, I am the vine, I'm the source, and you are the branches. In week two, we talked about this idea of pruning. Said sometimes there's these branches that don't belong. Sometimes these branches aren't, aren't being fruitful. And so sometimes they need to be pruned. Sometimes there's things in our life that, frankly, just need to be cut out, cut back completely. Last week, we had a guest teacher from uh, uh, Harpeth Hills Church of Christ come in, and uh, he shared with us the, the parable of the sower and the seed, which is a parable about soil. And the question is, what kind of dirt are you? God's word is landing on your heart, but, it, but is it a rocky path or is it a thorny place? It's getting choked out. Or are you creating, a, is your life, is your heart good soil? Because if it's good soil, when God's seed hits that soil, it doesn't say that one or two or five fold is possible. It says a hundred times harvest is possible. That's what it means to flourish. So this week we're going to be in verses four through seven. So it's going to be on the screen. We'll read them together. And uh, if you want to follow along in your text, you can. Jesus says in John chapter 15, beginning of verse four, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches and those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. See a word repeated again and again in this passage? Even a little bit further in these same 17 verses, Jesus will say, remain in my love. Again and again, he uses this word, remain in, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. It's one of Jesus, uh, uh, maybe one of his most favorite words. He uses it again and again in Scripture. In Greek, it is the word meno. Say meno. Meno, not minnow. We're not going fishing. Meno. Meno is a, is a word, it means to remain in. It means to stay in. Maybe if you have your King James open this morning, it might say abide in me. But it goes deeper than that. This, this word meno has, uh, has all these different layers and meanings associated with it. So this morning, I just want to spend some time talking about this word meno, meno in me, and I will meno in you. Remain in me, abide in me, stay in me, and I will stay in you. So we're going to just unpack this word, this, this whole teaching today. So uh, to start unpacking that, uh, I need Josh. Josh, can you come up here? Josh, you want some help? 
should your squad come up here? Okay, come on. <laughs> this is Josh and Josh's squad. So, uh, uh, Josh, what I want you to do is uh, I just want you to stand, how about right about here? This is perfect. Wait, no, right, right there. Face that direction. All right, Josh's squad. I'm sorry, y'all need a better name than Josh's squad. Anyway, come over here. You guys, all right, and I know this is, this is a little bit weird, but you'll, you'll see why. I need you to hold hands. You can do it. You can do it. You got to hold hands. You're going to want to hold hands. All right, so when I was growing up, we used to play this game. <laughs> so awkward. You know, when you're like a professional teacher, speaker, never bring anyone on stage that's going to upstage you ever, ever. Um, Sorry. Behave. Um, <clears throat> when I was growing up, there was a game I used to play. It's, it's probably considered too violent for kids today, but it's a game maybe you remember called Red Rover, Red Rover. Do you remember this game? How many of you are nervous about what's about to happen on stage here? <laughs> Nothing bad would ever happen. All right, so I need you two to hold hands. We'll, we'll, move, we'll move stuff out of the way. Well, I don't think these hands are going to break anyway. You guys, do you do all know how to play Red Rover, Red Rover? Have you ever played this game? Uh, when I was really young, I, I heard about it. All right, so Red Rover works like this. You two will say Red Rover, Red Rover, send Josh over. And so Josh is going to come and try to break through your hands. And the goal is for you to keep your hands locked. And ideally, there'd be two teams. You guys remember how this works? <clears throat> You guys make me nervous. Man, I'm just moving stuff. This is such a... We have nurses in the audience. All right, so... Let's, this is just a demonstration. Let's not hurt each other. All right, so you guys do your part. All right, I just run through them. When they say... All right, you guys have to say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Josh over. Yeah, we're ready. That's all I have to do. Yes. That's all you have. That's how. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. Now you are actually connected because you did not break through. You are connected to them. You have to hold hands with them. Come on. This is the game. My hand hurts. All right. So you guys, you guys are done except for one part. Hold this up. Turn, turn and face them. Josh, you can hold up your hand, too. Yay. This piece right here. Hurts. <laughs> this piece, shh. This piece right here is Mano. All right, you guys can take a seat. Give him a hand. I can't believe we did that and no one actually got more injured and there's not blood or something. <clears throat> Remember that piece where they're holding hands, locked, and it's not just kind of a casual hand holding, is it? Like in this game, in Red Rover, Red Rover, I mean, it is locked, like, like you have to form a bond. It is a permanent connection. And when Jesus says, Mano in me, and I will Mano in you, what he's saying is, this thing is permanent. Mano means not departing, not leaving to, to continue to be, to last, to endure, to persevere. Mano, in, 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 in a sense of a battle or soldiers, means in the heat of the fight, to stand fast, 
to hold on, to remain. Think about the depth of this word. Jesus says, when you may know in me, I will may know in you. And think about this image of, of Red Rover, Red Rover, come what may, right? No matter what comes, you may know in me, I will mano in you. Let's keep going. Mano is also a word of, uh, that, that sometimes connotes uh, a, or denotes uh, like a dwelling, a house, a, a home, uh, or, or home base. In, uh, in John chapter 14, verses 23, Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our mano with each of them. He says, we will come and make our home, our dwelling, with each of them. But he uses that word, meno. And so, meno means red rover, red rover. It means that deep, permanent, lasting connection that faces down all odds. But it also is, uh, uh, meno also means that, that feeling when, when you first get home after being gone for a long time. Are you with me? You remember what it feels like? Maybe, maybe some of you know what it's like to have an injury or have a sickness and be in the hospital for a long time. You remember what it felt like to finally get home. Or maybe you've seen the videos. Uh, they're, they're all over the internet right now of soldiers who have been stationed or, or been on deployment overseas and they finally step off the plane and their kids see them for the first time. Have you seen this? That's... Mano, too. Mano is this, this, uh, this red rover, red rover. We're locked together, but it's also a place of safety and security. It's a, it's a retreat or rest. Mano is a place of belonging. Uh, when Jesus says, Mano in me and I will Mano in you, he, he is saying it, it in some sort of way. He's saying blood is thicker than water. You know what that expression means? He's saying this is home. This is home base. This is our house. We are family. But Mano goes deeper still. Mano is a word of intimate union. It, 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 for some define the word Mano as literally as stepping into union. And, and Mano means to know and to trust God's word, to, to trust his teachings. In uh, uh, John chapter 8 verse 31, maybe I have that one. Yeah, I have that one. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you, what's the word? May know faithful to my teachings. Uh, literally, uh, in the Greek, uh, the Greek sounds like like Yoda speaking, but the Greek is literally, "If you may know in my word, truly disciples of me, you are. If you are connected to my word, if you dwell in my word, but 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 there's a deeper sense of this too, because." To mano in Jesus' word is, his word isn't just, isn't just the Bible, isn't just what he taught. His word is who he is. Does that make sense? It goes much deeper. And so to mano in Jesus' word, to remain faithful to his teaching, means more than just a Bible study or, or owning a one-year Bible. It's an expression of faithfulness, um, almost like putting on a wedding ring. It is an enduring 
relationship. One of the commentators, I, I, I loved reading him when he was talking about this word meno and, you know, permanence and dwelling, but also has this sense of intimacy. He defined meno as a six-second kiss. When was the last time you kissed anybody for six seconds? All right, who wants to volunteer? I need some more volunteers. Why don't you want to volunteer? Yeah. <clears throat> Josh, you stay in your seat. <laughs> How many of you would be okay if I, if I said, hey, why don't, you know, if your spouse is here, your significant other, why, why don't you just go ahead and give them a kiss? And you'd be okay just to give them a quick, you know, it's the, it's the go to work or I'm glad you're home kiss. You know, it's the leaving for the day kiss. Do you have these? You know what I'm saying? It's just the peck on the cheek. Love you. Have a great day. Out the door, right? But a six second kiss like, like this, is, this, is, this is a whole different ballgame, right? Right? A six-second kiss says, says something. It says something about the quality and status of your relationship. Uh, uh, it's, it's far more personal. Now, now, no one would ever do this, but uh, I, you, you can fake a little kiss on the cheek, a little, hey, have a great day kiss, right? You're going to have a hard time faking a six-second kiss, right? And a six-second kiss with your spouse, you know, is going to be very revealing. It's going to be very telling about the quality of the relationship you're having right now, right? <laughs> may tell you things you don't want to know, um, but it tells you something about your relationship. Do I, do I want to have a six-second kiss with you? Maybe not. I can guarantee you this, though, like uh, your marriage, if you, if you really start to work and practice a six-second kiss every single day, so Amy and I, we practiced yesterday. <laughs> We're going to practice some more, too, I'll tell you that right now. I'm not ashamed to say it. You practice a six-second kiss with your spouse, it's going to make your marriage better. It is. Because it's going to draw out things in you that maybe have been too long under the surface. It's, it is incredibly personal. You know, you're not going to share this kind of kiss with, with someone you don't know. And this word meno, remain faithful to my teachings, this word meno has this kind of intimate element in it. Like, like you're not going to be faithful. You're not going to remain in this unless this, this relationship is really working and really healthy and, and really good. It's, it's a real quality relationship. You're not going to share a six-second kiss with somebody that you're just kind of okay with, right? It's amazing to me how many Christians really don't know Jesus. I encounter them all the time. Men and women who claim Christ and yet couldn't, couldn't tell me maybe more than one of his teachings. Couldn't share with me, you know, what's, what's the meaning of what, you know, you're wearing a cross around your neck. What, is, what does that mean? Then maybe they wouldn't be even able to answer. You're not going to mano someone you aren't intimately, deeply 
personally connected with. And the word meno, when Jesus uses it, meno in me and I will meno in you, the word is an intimate word. And it begs the question, do you really know Jesus? What kind of relationship do you have with him? What kind of relationship do you have with his word, with his teaching, with his, with his values? Do your kids know that you may know Jesus? Let me ask you that. Do they see you intimately connected in ways that, that are real and emotional? Do, do they see you connected to Jesus in ways that, that are passionate and life-giving? Or are you modeling for them a different kind of relationship? Are you sharing a six-second kiss with him? Or have you settled for something far, far less? Mano is a six-second kiss. Mano is a house, a dwelling, a home base. Mano is a persevering Red Rover kind of connection. But let's keep going. So my daughter recently came to me and... Uh, uh, um, awesome, beautiful young daughter, and uh, we were, uh, actually, we were in the car the other day, headed to school, and out of nowhere, my daughter, she, she just told me, she said, I'm scared about the third grade. And I said, honey, why are you scared? We're, we haven't even finished the second grade. Why are you scared about the third grade? It's, I, I don't understand. And, and uh, in her sweet kind of tender way from the back seat, she just kind of told me, she said, well, in the third grade, there's tons of homework. And, and in the third grade, it's so hard. And she was scared. She was worried. She was anxious. And in my, in my dad head, I'm thinking, who has been talking to you? Because somehow, some way, someone has sown in her the seeds of insecurity and doubt and fear about the third grade, right? Now, you and I know the truth about the third grade, which is what? <laughs> you know, I already teach the teenagers before I come in here. The truth is, I will never ask you a question again. Um, the truth is, my daughter's super bright. My daughter's hardworking. The truth is, she's going to be fine. The truth is, I know, as her dad, as someone who has successfully completed the third grade, maybe not much more, I know, as her dad, she can do it. And I want for her, in just a few moments, to trust my perspective 
of her potential more than she trusts hers. In those moments, I wanted to encourage her and, and tell her, you know, it's going to be okay and you don't have to worry. In those moments, I wanted her to trust in, abide in, remain in what I knew to be true more than what she knew to be true. Are you with me? Mano is finally a reminder of God's perspective and our potential. It says some scary stuff in John chapter 15, verses 4 and uh, 5. Look what it says. It says this, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful. You cannot flourish unless you may know in me. It goes on in verse 6. He says, Anyone who does not may know in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. When we attempt to do it all, of our, all ourselves, when we fail to live lives truly connected to the source, when we fail to live lives truly connected, when our marriages aren't truly deeply connected, when we aren't connected to each other, when we try to do things all on our own, when we try to live lives and, and try to be fruitful and flourish without Jesus, then we fail to reach our potential and purpose. We become a rubbish pile. That's what he says. He says, I know you're going to try to do it on your own. But really what, what it says, and, and it's, it's tough language, but he says a useless branch. And it says these branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Like, like it's, it's basically, it's not even good enough for firewood. This is, this is the rubbish pile that we don't know what to do with it. We just drug it, cleaned it out of everything. And the only use it has is to just be burned and, and be done with. What he is saying is, is apart from me, apart from the vine, not only are you not going to reach your potential, you're really not going to be any benefit to anyone. Those are heavy words, right? Look what he says in, um, uh, uh, further down in, in verse 5. He says, apart from me, you can do. What's the word? Do we believe that in America? We are fiercely independent, right? I want no one, nothing from anyone. I want to do it all myself. And look what Jesus says. You know, if you attempt to live this life all by yourself, all for yourself, really ultimately you're going to be useless. But at the same time, if you really choose to mano in Christ, there's a whole different potential. Look at uh, verse 5, uh, the first part of verse 5. Those who mano in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Look at verse 7, and these are big words. I, I, I read them once already, and you probably just glossed over them because you don't believe them. I, it's hard to believe. 
But Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, if, if, you, if you may know in me and my words may know in you, if this is a real thing, you can ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. That's a promise most of us want to believe, but don't. I believe it's true. I believe it's true of this church. I think the future of our church isn't, isn't some cool thing, new things that we do, but the future of our church is about us being deeply, intimately connected to the source, the true vine, Jesus Christ. And when we are united with him, nothing is impossible. I know that this world sows in us seeds of doubt and fear. I know there's, there's anxiety and you. Maybe things in your marriage just haven't been right. Maybe you're, you're struggling with addiction or, or you've allowed some sort of distance to come between you and your kids or another friend or relationship. Maybe you're thinking right now, you know, I'm not the right guy to talk to others about Jesus and I don't know how to share my faith and this makes me feel uncomfortable. I know what you're thinking. The third grade is scary. And Jesus invites us in that moment of our anxiety, in that moment of our fear, to may know in him, to trust what he knows is true of you more than what you think you know. To trust his perspective of your potential more than your own Jesus perspective is that when you may know in him anything is possible even a full flourishing fruit bearing life is possible so in just a moment we're going to enter into a time of uh, of communion hopefully you've got some good thoughts to to take to, to this kind of sacred space. As you see around the rooms, we have uh, uh, the different stations of communion set up around tables. Of uh, We have the bread and the cup, which represent the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The incredible relationship that we can have with him because of his sacrifice. Before we get there, I just want to, uh, I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to send you to these tables in just a minute. But before we get there, I just want to give you a few closing thoughts. Maybe you felt disconnected. Disconnected from others, disconnected from God, like there's this distance between you. If, if that's you, and maybe even if that's not you, um, would you guys mind just doing a simple exercise with me this morning? It, it means you're going to have to move a little bit. But, but what I'd like for you to do is just take each other's hands. So if you need to squish in in your rows or... Uh, I don't want anyone left out. Every, everyone needs a hand. We're not going to play Red Rover, Red Rover, I promise. <laughs> Everybody take a hand. Everybody needs a hand. Maybe the last picture of this word, Mano, of, of remain in, abide in. You know, we've talked about Mano as, as Red Rover. It's this deep, permanent connection. We've talked about Mano as a house. It's the home base. We've talked about Mano as this, this different, this, this intimate six-second kiss. We're not going to do that either. Um, 
we've talked about Mano as, as, as a whole different perspective of our potential, trusting God's perspective of our potential more than our own. But, but Mano, is this, there's this one last picture of Mano. It's, it's a picture of our relationship with Jesus. But Mano is, is, is a picture of, of discipleship. And it's also this incredible picture of the church. Holding hands together. Maybe this morning as you walked in, you received a hand of greeting, a hand of welcome. Maybe, this, maybe uh, you've spent time with hands holding around a table. We extend our hands as, as a church as in, in ways of hospitality, hand extended to the neighbor, to the poor, to the needy, to the outcast in our community. Our hands are extended in, in a way of service. We hold hands with the sick in the hospital. Holding hands, grasping another hand is, is a sign of care, a sign of concern, a sign of compassion. We hold hands together as a sign of unity in the face of obstacles. It's a deep connection to Christ and each other. We hold hands as a reminder of God's perspective and the potential He sees in us. Come what may remain in me and I will remain in you. Come what may, we are in this thing together. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this church, for the opportunity to, to share your word. Father, I, I know in, in our world, in our community, there, there, there are hundreds and thousands of people just doing it on their own, feeling disconnected with it, without any kind of relationship, without any kind of tie to something permanent or lasting or meaningful or fulfilling. Father God, as we hold hands this morning, let all of us, like, not, not just symbolically, but God, move in our hearts the ways that we've been, we, we, we've been disconnected from you, the ways we've, we've isolated ourselves God, maybe we're embarrassed because of a, or ashamed because of a sin we've committed. Father God, as we take this meal, we know that's washed away. Not just the guilt of our sin, but the shame that went with it. We come to you together, Father, we, we come to you together in unity, seeking what only you can provide. Father God, maybe this morning, as, as we're sitting here, there are young men or young women that, that struggle with their image of themselves and who they are. Maybe, maybe they're bombarded with difficult and dark and hurtful thoughts about themselves. Father God, let them know that the hand they hold believes more in who they are. Use that hand that's holding them to speak the truth of, of your potential, the potential you know into their lives. Father God, as we hold hands together, let us be united to your Son, Jesus Christ, the true vine, the source of our life. And let our hands extend beyond this place to our friends and neighbors, co-workers, to our world. Hands seeking to unite others to you. Father God, we love you. And in your Son, Jesus' name, everyone together says... Amen. I invite you to stand up and enjoy a time of communion. Our worship.